Let me talk you through the two most emotional, stressful months of my sales career. It's no big deal to call a CTO and tell I want to talk. You cannot stand on the sideline and basically wait until the dice rolls itself. It's never gonna happen. I don't know if this is gonna be on the record or off the record. It's almost like playing with cards, this job. Like, it's like you, you get given a hand of cards and like you have to do the best with what, what you have. Someone might have been watching, watching down on me. Me and Jack going into this, when, when he originally told me exactly the same, like, oh, you know, Jack, I've got this idea, you know, what about this? I just, my first thought was, my God, if no, I don't even care if anyone, like, listens to this, you know, if I take one key takeaway from every recording, I'll be such a better rap. This is No Big Deal, the sales podcast. Welcome back to another episode of No Big Deal, where we are really excited to welcome Kat from Six Sense. Now, Kat became an account executive three or four years ago. She has a master's degree in neuroscience, where she's got to be a tiny minority of sales reps that have a master's degree specifically in that. But I know that she fell into sales because she needed to earn money so she could go back to become a doctor. And now she's neurosciencing prospects and uncovering incredible pain and obviously is now a super successful rep hitting multiple president's clubs. So thank you, Kat, for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I promise when people talk with me on calls, I'm not doing some kind of neuroscience psychology to you. I promise. I promise it's not happening. So excited to be here. Cheers, Kat. Is there anything that you'd add to that that we've missed? Anything that you would want in your, not perhaps not in your tombstone, but uh, on the title of this episode that we've missed? Maybe that I played ice hockey. So I'm used to, you know, getting gritty and tough. And uh, I feel like there needs to be a lot of that in sales, especially in this market. So can always yeah. chat about ice hockey. Real talk. Well, we've got a deal to talk about and you're going to jump into that in a moment. But before we do, because this is the No Big Deal podcast and we only talk about big deals, we often find that the deal has had quite a big impact on people's lives, be it through, you know, what it meant for their career, perhaps what it meant for them outside of work, perhaps what it meant for them learning about business, et cetera. Can you just tell us quickly, what did this deal... What did it mean for you once it once it closed? What did it what did it do for you, perhaps, in your in the trajectory of your life? Yeah. So this was a really big deal for me because at Zendesk, at my prior workplace, the biggest deal that I'd closed was about a third of what this deal was. So I'd never had experience that I was capable of closing something this big or of this magnitude. So it just gave me that confidence. I would say first off that I was capable of doing that, and then secondly. I mean, there was accelerators to it. I closed it on my ramp. And so the financial payback from it was just incredible. And it gave me the security that I could be a little bit more open with my money, I would say, especially when it came to like travel. My dad lives in Germany. So being able to go and visit him when I want to and like not worrying about the cost of a flight or spending more time with him and spoiling my parents and things like that. So it definitely like confidence side helped, but then also financially, I mean, can't go wrong with that oh yeah you know what we had a we had a, a, another guest on recently you said something really similar like once they got a little bit of financial security it makes the rest of your job a little bit easier because you're certainly less stressed you don't sweat the small stuff so much which ultimately does make you a better salesperson yeah i'm like hey i don't need your business to close i i have that past commission check i'm good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> And you know yeah. what, adversely, and me and Jack, we've discussed this before, and for our listeners listening, Kat broke 
the record at six cents for the largest commercial deal in her second month. What's it been like over the next two years at six cents trying to chase that high again after completing that milestone so early on? Definitely. I think that it kind of changed a little bit of like what I needed for that high, if you will. It was like I got that huge deal at the beginning of my career at six cents. So it was like, okay, this is going to be really hard to top. And I was aware of that. But then I was chasing more of like the relationships or what good logos could I bring in and trying to find different ways of what like that high could look like and other metrics of success. Because if I continuously try to chase those like six figure bigger deals, they might not always come and I'm always going to be disappointed. And that's not fair to the customers that I bring on of like, well, this one wasn't as big. So instead chasing more of like the relationships, I would say have been huge for me. Like if it's been a really good sales process and I enjoy working with that person, that gives me that high as well. You've got a great brand yourself, not only externally, but also internally at Sixth Sense. Like what advice would you give to any sales rep listening, joining a new company to like help build really strong internal relationships? Be so curious and kind of be annoying about it almost of just pinging people on Slack. I would do it nonstop. I would introduce myself, put myself out there. I was like a little worried I'd come off as annoying, but I was like, you know what? I'm the new kid, whatever. They can form their opinions of me, but really get in front of those like top reps or different departments, just start getting your name out there into different places. And so that they're aware of who you are and they're more willing to help out. And that's kind of how I also got into this deal as an internal connection that I had. So I would just say, lean on your peers. Perfect. That's a good segue. Can you give us a bit of an overview of getting, especially for people who, who listen, who are just started in a new role as well and are doing all of the things that you've said there to just start spinning the wheel for momentum. What was kind of the, the moment that the deal kicked off for you? Yes. So the moment that it kicked off was month two. I got my book of business in month two and I had about 60 accounts I could go after. And anyone that's been in sales knows that when you get a brand new list of accounts, usually no one's working on before, maybe some marketing outreach, but otherwise they're very cold accounts. So I was walking into something that was freezing cold and I noticed using Sixth Sense that there were a few accounts that were doing a lot of research. They've been on our website, they were looking up a bunch of stuff. So I kind of prioritized those top ones. I also used Sixth Sense at my last job. So I was very familiar with that workflow. And I noticed this one account that was just doing a bunch of research. And when I went to go look on LinkedIn on sales nav, they had a new CMO that had just came over, literally had started maybe like two days before I started my outreach. And he'd previously worked at a big use case for Six Sense, a really happy, successful customer. And our SVP of analytics worked closely with him. So reached out to her, asked if she would make that introduction and kind of the rest was history from there. And I am obviously familiar with it, but I'm assuming there's people who aren't. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what using Six Sense means to uncover you know, intent or prospects who are interested, or like you said, there are people who are perhaps researching you. What is it? It's a bit of dark magic, really. Watch out. Layman yeah. terms. Watch out. This is when I get excited. So what it is, is basically just letting you know what's going on out there. Like your buyers aren't just going to fill out a form and have a conversation with you. They're going to go read different articles across the web. They're coming to your website. They're reading blog articles. So there's a lot of these like breadcrumbs across the web and stuff going on. So six times can bring that to sellers and put that into their hands so that they can prioritize which accounts to go after. So I had 60. If I would have started at the bottom of that list where no one's doing research, I would have been wasting my time. I should have been focusing on the top, you know, 10 that were actively doing research or something like that. So just being able to help me like, Hey, let's start here. You're brand new. Let's not get overwhelmed. Not all 60. Don't spray and pray them and 
you know, have a bunch of unsubscribes before you can even like get deep into these accounts. So just being able to understand what's going on without them raising their hand. I think another important point here as well, Kat, is that, and you said this before, you didn't find that a new person joined. And I think the initial reaction would be for maybe you to try and prospect them. Did you, how did you see that they were connected with that SVP internally? Or, you know, could you talk us through that? Yes. So I lean heavily on team link introductions and I am shameless when it comes to asking if someone knows so-and-so most of the time, it's like, no, I'm a random connection. I'm guilty of that. I have so many people that are like, Kat, do you actually know this person? I'm like, no, I have absolutely no idea how I'm connected to them. But with this one, they'd worked together on LinkedIn. It said that they'd worked at the same company. So reached out to her and she made that introduction, which was a lot warmer than me just reaching out to him. Yeah, I vouch for that as well. I don't. I do it to Jack all the time. People do it to me as well. I'm like, I don't feel any shame either. I'm like, you know that person? They're like, yeah, kind of. I'm like, cool, make this intro. Nice. So my question then is, once you've got this sort of conversation started, you said us just you said just off air before that this person then kind of like turned around to you and said i'm interested but you've got a lot of work to do to make sure the rest of the business is interested this is something that's happened to me before as well and everybody says to you hey but come on you've already got the c blah 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 on your side don't you just send them the contract right now and you know for well that isn't the case so i kind of know how i went from here on uh, to build momentum but I'm really keen to know what did you do now? Because you've got to go back to the bottom. You've got to go back to the start to try and build it up, even though you know you've got the cheat code and the fact you've got the C level on side. But what was the story from then on? Yeah. So very quickly we got on a call and he said, You don't have to sell me. You have to sell everyone else. So I asked for introductions. He was a very busy CMO. He was brand new. He was like, I have heads down. I don't have time to join all these calls with them. I would love to be your internal champion, but just don't have the time. So I had to go in and have these conversations with a team of about eight different marketers and VPs of sales and try to figure out which one would be my champion, my mobilizer, who would actually be championing this and not just the CMO. So having, you know, those first calls again, understanding the pains and stuff, and then going through demos, going through use cases, doing like a live data review, really going through the whole process, even though, again, that CMO basically gave a sign off of like, we're doing this. But I think that's also what expanded the deal so much as it could have been just one really small marketing use case that that CMO would have benefited from. But since I had such a big team of people at operations, sales, marketing, it really turned into this big, what can Sixth Sense do? We want to partner, not just have like a vendor, you know, transactional relationship. How did you manage that as someone that was so new at the business? Thankfully, I have really good leadership here. My VP was really willing to jump on the call. My director would jump on the call. I had an incredible mentor, another AE. We do like a buddy system when you're a new hire at Sixth Sense where a more tenured rep helps a new hire. So she joined all of those calls too. And truthfully, she led a lot of them. And they were like, she's an incredible rep. I'm like, yep. She, she should be getting this deal, but I got it. So, but I would say the support, like, again, leaning on making those internal relationships where people are willing to help you. And if I was running it alone, there's absolutely no chance, no chance it would have closed even for like base platform. Honestly, I'm like not trying to discredit myself, but I was too new. I just didn't know enough. You mentioned there, you use the word, which I've not, I mean, I can kind of read between the lines, but you said a champion and a mobilizer. Are they two different things? And if so, what's the difference? Yeah. So for me, a champion is someone that is willing to go to bat and is excited for something like Sixth Sense. Like they're willing to be that squeaky wheel, but the mobilizer actually gets things done. They're actually 
willing to set up those conversations with like the right people, the executives, they're more responsive over email versus that champions just kind of like, yeah, I like this. I can see this working. Some people see it opposite. But that's just kind of how I categorize it of like the champions, like, this is great. I hope it works. But that mobilizer is actually the one like getting into the weeds, getting things done, um, willing to text with you, get on calls with you. And so that's kind of the biggest difference for me. Again, some people have it opposite. That's just how I remember it. Were there any major roadblocks in the deal for it to close? It seems like at the moment, everything's sunshine and rainbows, but that doesn't happen in big deals, does it? No, last minute, not even last minute. It was like halfway through the deal. They decided that they want to do a more thorough evaluation and start evaluating competitors. So then it turned into a competitive deal very quickly. This deal did close only in 60 days, which is relatively quick. I feel like our sales cycle is like 90. Now we're seeing it get a little bit longer, just like everyone in this market, but usually it's 90 days. This was 60 days. So all of a sudden competitors got thrown into there. So how to get that talk track, get ready. I was like staying up late. Like I was back in college studying for a big exam. I was reading through all of our competitive intel, understanding like why people come to six times over a competitor. So just really understanding that. And then also for like a week, they went silent. And that's always terrifying as a rep. You're like, I did everything right. And they just needed a little bit of time to just digest everything. And it was kind of that moment of trust of like, okay, hopefully they're not going to stall out for six months. Like they're actually going to come back. So those were the two biggest hurdles that are competitive. And then went silent. for. A while. And then on the other side of that, one thing that we typically find when somebody lands one of these big deal especially like the company's biggest deal there is a moment where you know you do some you do something pretty good you don't really know that you're doing it at the moment at the time but you're like oh i just pulled that off there like just to give you an example we had a story about it's actually the reason i asked about that mobilizer question is because somebody had a champion in one of their deals and the person was just like a huge advocate but just couldn't get the signature through procurement they had this brainwave that they know they, they had met a, a different mobilizer throughout the deal at some point. And they asked them and then two days later, the deal was signed. Do you have a similar moment that you remember from this deal where you're like, I, if I hadn't have done that, this would never have come to life? Yeah, there was one in particular where I took their biggest competitor and I kind of built out how their biggest competitor is using Sixth Sense. So their biggest competitor was on us already. And I walked through actually, like I got the okay from that customer success manager and also like the company that sure, like you can use kind of like our ads and walk through what it would look like and what we're doing versus what they're doing. So that was major to have that collateral and be able to say like, hey guys, like you can stall and not move with us, but just so you know, like your competitor is doing it. They're doing it really well. This is just like, a scratch of the surface what they're doing imagine if you all could get this into your hands otherwise you're going to lose market share i mean not guaranteed you will but there is a possibility if you don't have this data that you could fall behind so then it was like oh goodness we need to move now and critically cat and this is like the real this is like i love these bits in sales and i call them chess moves what what did the buyer do or say to make you think that's the move that wins the deal. That's a really good one. I think it was truthfully the partnership, like it came back to there's so much Sixth Sense can do and we're always updating stuff. And I was just showing them like our product roadmap and just how much we're iterating on our product. And it was like light bulbs were going off. They were thinking of all different use cases. They got so excited immediately. The competitors like went out of view because they just saw the like hey, we're doing this, we're updating this, we want to be the best, we want to support you, our CSMs are there for use cases, like really that partnership rather than 
just a transactional sale, I feel like that's when I was like, oh, we got it. Cause they were like, oh my goodness, you guys can do so much we didn't even know about. And they wanted more of a relationship versus just like that one-off sale or buyer. Do you know what one bit I took from that is we want to be the best. I think if any customer now says that line to me, I'm going to start thinking, okay, right. Well, who in your, who and who do we partner with the competitors that are considered above you? And how do we put use cases in front? I think that's an awesome signal or line to hear. Yeah, it's such a good, such a good move as well, because it plays on both sides of it as well. It's like, okay, cool. You want to be the best. We need to get the best. And it's not mm-hmm. cheap to get the best. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, hey, you can go with the alternative. There's still a great solution. I never talk down on competitors. I just share what I've heard. You can go with them, but let me just share with you like why people do decide to go with us. And that's when it seemed like everything lit up to it. It wasn't just like, you know, dogging on the competitors and being like, they suck, they're horrible, don't go with them. It was like, hey, you totally can. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's people that buy from them. But if you go with us, this will be your experience versus there. So, yeah. And I think, Kat, why this is so good is this, and me and Jack have talked about this before, it's great having a social validation slide and being like, mm-hmm. oh, look at all of these people that we work with in your space. I think this is the evolution of that. Mm. It's like taking it that step further. I, I think it's awesome. That's a great play. What's making me think as well, Kat, is one of the A's that I work with in my team is in a very similar scenario. She's in her second week. She's had an opportunity come in that is a lot larger than our average order value. What advice would you give to her? Be human first. That's how you're going to stand out in any sales cycle, truthfully. And B, don't say like, oh, I'm new. Like no one wants to buy from someone that doesn't necessarily know their space. But be open to saying like, hey, I don't have the answer to that. Let me get back to you. I think that's huge, especially as a new person. Don't try to pretend like you know everything. Again, you don't have to tell them you're brand new. I feel like that kind of discredits you a little bit, especially if you have sales experience. But be human and open about, hey, I don't have the answers right now, but I'll get back to you. Or leaning on other people that do know more, have been in this space for longer, and then paying that back eventually of, hey, someone else has helped me in the past. I'm going to help this new hire. Or if they ever need anything, I'm going to help them. So I think those are the two biggest things is like, be human and be open that you don't know everything and then lean on your peers or leadership for help too. Yeah, it's massive because what, one of the things that we find here at Sales Office is Jack and I are lucky enough to have been here for almost, well, me three years and Jack pretty much four years is that we've been in most deal cycles. Like I've been in the straight shootouts. I've been in the long slogs. We've been in the in the ones that close in a day. And so we kind of consent what, is the next move to do but like the average tenure of a sales rep is now 18 months and two years or something so the majority of people are constantly coming through the door and trying to learn the deal and it's like so tricky and you can't do it on your own you really can't hence why we run the podcast right it's just to help people get through the door and get their feet on the ground as quick as possible my uh, my, my my interesting question here based on that as well is like did you know at any point while you were while you were going through this that you know we've lost this deal sorry sorry did you think that we've lost this deal now these guys are done like I'm too junior. They can sense that I don't know all the answers. Was there a moment where you felt like it was on the rocks? Oh yeah. After my first call with the CMO, he shared a bunch about what he thought was like the business initiatives. I came in with my research. I always do like homework on the company, my hypothesis or like point of view of what I think is going on. He shared a lot, but again, he was like three days in. So I got as much information as I could. And then I went into front of that big, bigger group of like, I don't even remember how many, I know I said it earlier, but a big group of people. And I presented like, 
hey, this is what we heard as like challenges or pains you all are having. And slowly every single person was like, that's not what's happening. That's not what we use this. And so I lost, I got discredited very quickly and I had to build up that kind of like, I don't know, trust, if you will, or credibility. They were just like, that's not our business at all, which was interesting. And I was like, I like went to my director afterwards and I was like, but that's what I was told. And he was like, it's okay. We can rebuild this. Like we're all human. But that was probably the scariest point. I thought from the very start, it was dead because of that. I was like, well, they don't trust me. I call it a ghost champion when you've got, when you've got somebody up here who's helping you with introductions and saying, you know, we know that this is an initiative, something that will get free, but you've just got to run your deal cycle and you've got to go and do your work first. Could you, could, could, were you able to go back to the ghost champion at that point and say like, food help me out or did you have to go back to the back to the lower below the line selling went below the line again he was so busy that I yeah. didn't even go back and say like hey you were totally off like what your pains are also didn't seem like my place this guy was already really willing to like bring his whole team in he was already excited about six months I didn't want to kind of like hang out to drive like hey you clearly don't know the business or what's going on like you'll learn that in time and when he comes back in toward the end, it really illuminated a lot. And I think, again, that's why I grew bigger and bigger as we had a bigger business case, the more time we spent below the line. So no, never went back. I was just kind of like, okay, we'll move forward. Um, nice. But it was humbling. Uh, and for anybody listening, like you mentioned that the deal grew. And, and from being in this position myself a few times, sometimes the deal just grows organically. You're doing a good job. Like you get into new departments just because people are interested. It just happened to me just before we joined this call. I got an introduction from somebody else to a new department. It grown my deal by, say, 20%. I'm like, I'll take credit for it. But it had nothing really. I didn't go and pursue that. Did you do anything actively to pursue a bigger deal and say like, we can get in there or we can sell on this product too? Or did it just kind of happen because you were running a good process? It kind of happened when we showed that like use case slide of everything Sixth Sense can do and also how much we're innovating. We acquired like four companies in the past two years or three years, I think. So I had a slide with all that and they were like, we're really interested in that acquisition. Can you tell us more about it? And it wasn't even like, there are so many things that Sixth Sense can do that it wasn't really even on my radar as something like that I should proactively bring up. I was so new. I just wanted to sell like what we're known for. So luckily I had a killer SD solutions consultant that joined the call, demoed it super quickly. And they're like, yeah, this is exactly what we need. And it was actually, I think the very first of that product that sold to after the acquisition. So that was a neat kicker as well. God, I don't do that enough. I've been that slide from my deck actually, Jack. Yeah, me too, the mate. Follow. I just don't do that. The what? The what? Right. The wheel. Yeah, I've been there. Just trying to sell them the main thing. Oh, really? See, I, I do the wheel. I do the wheel. I just don't do the like logos we work with. And I think as well, like the most important thing, and that's probably why your deal ended up being so big, and you know you were able to sell across departments. Like if we just sell the build pipeline element of sales, yeah. month, we get very much pigeonholed into one department. Whereas selling all encompassing, like you did, Kat, like you're like, wow, we can use this for this and you can use, and then your deal is one, incrementally more sticky across the business. And two, you can deliver a lot more value. Um, and I would say, especially in this market right now, tech consolidation is so big. It's a huge reason why CFOs are buying. So if you're able to say, hey, we can help with this part of the business and this part and this part, all of a sudden they want that partnership even more and they can get rid of any other like one-off tools that they were using or point solutions. So I'd say that would be a huge thing too. 
yeah well on that part again just like selling to finance this this is we feel like we're in the home straight now how did you how did you run the deal home was this part was it really tricky i mean you're dealing with what looks like quite a big business at this point as well so i'm assuming there's going to be some procurement levers you've got to get through there was there a story to tell at the end or did it, did it run smoothly about it? Honestly, at that point, I kind of handed it off. I have never previous to Sense ever worked with procurement. I've never worked with legal. For some context at Zendesk, I worked with one to nine employee count companies and they were really small deals. So I went from that to like the big leagues, like coming to Sixth Sense, like they really took a chance on me to allow me to work here. So I had no idea. I kind of like stepped out and I was like to my director, I was like, please help me. I was terrified. I was like, I don't even know what to do mm. here. So again, thankfully I have a leader that stepped in and was like, are you okay if I step in? Like didn't want to step on my toes, but then kind of like ran through it and took it from there. Truthfully at the end, I don't really know <laughs> what happened. I just got the sign across the line. I was like, cool, this is fun. But at the very end, it's not like they were hard. They're still like a smaller ish company than like growth mode. So they didn't have a super big procurement or legal process, luckily. Easy days. The dream. On on all of our deals like that. <laughs> I just got introduced I just got introduced to a procurement team and the deal was supposed to close in 14 days. And the guy said I'm on paternity leave until the first of August. Financial uh, year, I reckon. Yeah. So, cool. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> well Kat, Surprisingly though, I don't yeah, go on. Surprisingly, I don't get into many procurements, though, somehow. I don't know why. I just don't. I'm just a master negotiator. Or, Kat, you ask a very good discovery call question on your first call, and you go, do you have a procurement process there? And if they say I yes, don't. you go like, oh, okay, cool, bye. No, Disqualified. Like, <laughs> Goodbye. Sorry, I don't, yeah, I'm too picky. I don't do that. <laughs> well, thanks so much for walking us through that. There were some, like, really great take, key takeaways now. And... And now we've you've closed the deal. We're going to ask a few questions to get to know you as a sales rep. And my favorite one on that is, what is your favorite sales memory? With Sixth Sense this past year, I took my mom and it was in Mexico and it was so much fun to just have a vacation with her. She plans all of our vacations. So for her to just show up was so special and made it so worth it. All the hustle. Thank you. Hang in. God, I hope my mum's not listening. Is it? Actually, my mum does listen. Mum, I'm sorry that I don't take that one day. Thanks, Kat. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I would have taken my dog, but she's afraid of water. So I didn't take my dog. I took my mom. And secondly, I think what's great about the podcast is we have this great range of, you know, well, feel like I'm blowing our own trumpet now, but luckily we're enough to invite guests on that earlier on in their SAS career, which I think all the all of us the three we we would agree you know we're in the first our first five years of being an account executive all the way up to CROs and directors of sales what what's what skill do you think makes you great caring about the relationships first and the person first I feel like people can truly feel when I'm talking to them that I genuinely want the product to work and that I'm equally as invested and that if anything goes wrong, like I'm the first person to be there, even though I'm only new business, if you need anything, I'm like, take my cell phone number, be in a Slack with me. Like, I'm just a very, I don't know, just caring. And I feel like that's missing a lot in sales where I'm just, I just pour everything into it, which can be exhausting and mm. sad when they decide not to go with you. But I think it's worth it and fulfilling. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting. Like you care that much at the end of it. Yep. Like, God, I'll take a step away from this for sure. Exactly. And then finally as well do you, do you have one key takeaway learning from this deal in particular that's like that you would help that you would say like you know for anybody listening you try this do that or or, or just for yourself 
one key sort of takeaway? Lean on other people. I wouldn't have gotten this deal done if it wasn't for my mentor that I had, who was an AE, who took time away from her own deals to help me through my join all of these calls. And then mm. don't be afraid to like not know the answer. That would probably be the biggest two things of like, hey, I need help. Like I very much put my ego aside. And it was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like I need as much support as I can. And luckily it took a team to get it over the line. That's Thanks village for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kat, thanks so much for your insight. Congratulations on the deal. Um, and we appreciate your time. Anything else, Jeff? Hopefully mom could get taken to president's club next year. True. It's in <laughs> Costa Rica. So oh, dreamy. ready to go. Nice. Great yeah. country. Have been there. For a president's club myself. So sure. cool. Thanks so much for joining us, Kat. Appreciate it.